podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses, zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Evil of Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the spiciest up-to-date UniTracker info from Steve. Uh, going into this week, there really isn't a whole lot that's new or a whole lot that's changed. Um, it's a bit of a dry week, so we're pulling some other topics of interest. Um, the only real game that we've had since our last pod was um, the Ashland game at home. Uh, which was originally scheduled to be against Texas Southern, but was canceled due to COVID. Um, whatever protocols that would be, I would assume that probably came from Texas's side. I didn't really see, um, you know, I, I don't think that we would have played or they might have not let fans in if it was our, from our end. So I would assume that came back on them. But regardless, it was scheduled for an hour later where the Bearcats ended up winning 71-57 to 57 at home. And... Jeremiah Davenport and David DeJulius combined for 46 points. So, Steve, I have to ask you, um, what, was your, what was your first reaction with the Ashland game and kind of the change of scenario, and uh, what did you see? What did you like? Uh, what did you not like? Um, the first thing I want to uh, say is props to Wes Miller for getting a game scheduled uh, like within uh, – a day of learning that Texas Southern couldn't make it. Uh, that yeah. was a pretty cool explanation after the game in his post-game press conference about how he said they they called around a bunch of people they knew. It's kind of tough to get a game with a, a big team on that short notice because, one, they don't want to lose any home games, and, two, that's kind of tough to ask people, and then, like, you're going to give them a home-and-home. So it was probably a little bit tough, and uh, you, I don't think the Bearcats... Uh, so recently, Justin, I've been doing a lot of tracking for the modern era of UC, UC sports, which I would call like 2005. I think we agreed on like 2005, yeah. moved with Big East, new Bearcat logo, new UC Paul. I don't think we've played a D2 team in that time other than in exhibition games. And it's been a right. recent trend lately where uh, team, college basketball teams are playing more D2 games in, in season, which I think is weird. Uh, uh, but I guess if you need games and no one else wants to play you, you just play them. It doesn't really go on your on your net. Uh, and obviously, if you lose, it looks bad. K-State lost to a D2 right. team a couple of years ago. So baseline, the Bearcats won, which I'm uh, happy about. Uh, 
Texas Southern uh, had been 0-7 before beating Florida uh, at uh, in Gainesville. So I yeah. was, uh, I'm never really worried about these non-conference bye games, but after the Monmouth game and after seeing that Texas Southern-Florida result, I was just like 1% worried about about them because like, yeah. oh, they beat them. They could beat us. You never know. It's just one right. of those stupid things we all do as fans. Um, but overall, I think it was just a, a good, solid win. Good to see uh, Davenport get back into the shooting stroke. Uh, David and Julius, um, I, last week, Justin, we talked about how we didn't really have any game breakers, and I think the Julius might be a game breaker for us. I think if he gets the right opportunities and the right chances and the best way to play his game, I think he has an opportunity to really go get us a bucket. And I think uh, without you know another scoring threat really in our offense, he might get taken away in games where the other team has more or equal talent yes and has the scheme or the players in order to stop us like we've seen before he's been taking out some of these games and it just depended on being a second scorer but when teams aren't better than us he's going to be able to take over so yeah i was happy about that um the other thing i was you know and i i can't really blame fans for this because it, it's a saturday during holiday season and yeah uh, the game was like called off and then rescheduled so people not everybody might have got the memo um, right i was driving around clifton on saturday and i saw uh, a girl in a uc shirt uh walking to the game with uh, uh somebody uh, with a man who i suppose was either her dad or her uncle who was wearing like ashland gear so maybe we got like yeah. two or three or four extra fans because ashland's not that far away from uc so you never know maybe someone's feeling uh, like they'll uh, support the old alma mater for for one game. So yeah, I think that's something that. Uh, and I was I didn't go to the game, so I'm part of the problem when I talk about this. <laughs> but um, I think that's something that I would love. That's kind of on my, my wish list for the future of UC athletics. Is I would like to see more games just sold out. And I know it's tough. Yeah. Uh, those games are not gonna. You're you're really selling the team itself. You're not selling the opponents during non-conference. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple rough years, and I can't blame people for not wanting to spend their money. I don't want to tell people how to spend their money, but I think once Wes gets this really rolling, that hopefully that will come back. Because once the team right. uh, starts getting back to NCAA tournaments, starts winning 20 games in a year, which I still think they can do this year, by the way, but mm-hmm. I think is the new sh- the shine of the new arena is kind of is kind of worn off after... Yeah. Three seasons, one without fans, but uh, I think once we start getting more people back in the building, that will be great for us. And I would just love to see more sellouts and stuff. Obviously, Wes complimented the crowd in his post game, but Justin, you are one of those people in the crowd. Yes, clipping the game from your seat live. <laughs> um, what did you think of the uh, of the performance? Yeah. Um, well, one thing I really did want to touch on real quick before jumping to that, um, just because you just mentioned it, um, I think the crowd too, um, if you weren't there, is pretty similar to what you would expect from like a red and black game, uh, the classic like Mick games where you know it's just like nothing. They, there's no three point contest. There's no dunk. There's no fun, anything like that. Just a regular scrimmage. That's what the crowd felt like. Um, it got a little noisy here and there, um, but overall it was fairly tame which, I mean, you can expect from, you know, a crowd that's D2. And like you said, 
Um, my thought was maybe there's there may have been more seats sold, um, and then you know for whatever reason people had something come up or um, people could have also missed the memo, like you said, um, after the original cancellation. Well, it's like oh shoot, well not going to that. Not everybody's on Twitter, um, and I think if you're not on Twitter, you probably didn't see that. Um, I didn't see anything from any local news stations about the game being rescheduled. I just saw it about being canceled. So um, that could have been the case too. But regardless. I think the Bearcats played well. Um, I think that between the performances between Davenport and DeJulius, I think, you know, kind of like you said, um, we're looking for that game breaker and that um, guy who can kind of open the can a bit. And I think that, you know, for sure we have that in DeJulius. I think we're still a little, I wouldn't say iffy. Um, We're just looking for more consistency from JD. Um, but he looked great on, uh, what was that Saturday? Um, or what day was that? Yeah. No, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. <laughs> Sorry. Brain's a little foggy here, but, um, yeah, it's six from 11 from three. And he had a little bit of a heat check moment there too. He just kind of kept hitting them. Um, you know, I think that that's the thing with him is like, he's just gotta, if he's in his rhythm, um, we're going to start pulling away really quickly. And if he's not, um, those pretty, um, I wouldn't say ill-advised, but, uh, just kind of thrown up threes. Um, if they're not landing, they're going to hurt us. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, there's always a trade-off, you know, it's kind of like any other big three-pointing or three-point shooting team, um, which we're not, but if you're throwing up threes and you hit them, you're going to drown the other team. And if you miss them, it's going to be a tight game or you might lose because of it. Um, which is kind of like that make or break game style, which I don't think that we have, but I think pertains specifically to Davenport. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. I really liked what I saw from DeJulius. DeJulius was um, creating a lot of lanes, definitely um, had some great moments of like space creation and um, seemed to be on point. Um, they were both actually pretty efficient too. Um, Davenport was eight for 15, uh, six for 11 from three and Julius was nine for 14 from the floor. So, um, and four for five from the line as well for him. So that's one thing that I liked seeing again, I'm still going to scream free throws. We didn't have a lot of opportunities in this. We only had 16 as a team. Um, but still 50% from the line, 56% from the line. That's not going to cut it. Um, you know, people are probably sick and tired of hearing me talk about it, but I will talk about it every single game, um, every single week, if that's what I have to do, because for some reason, we just don't seem to be consistent from there. Um, another thing that I really wanted to mention on is because, or, uh, touch on is because, you know, in a game like this, Davenport and DeJulius are going to get a lot of the shine just because of the sheer points they dropped. Um, we didn't see a lot of contribution, uh, scoring wise from, much of the rest of the team, but John Newman continues to impress me every single game yeah. because he is just wickedly athletic and he's got this insane post fade that I just don't know. Like it, you know, I, the best way I can describe it is like, it's not weird. It doesn't feel off. Um, it's just, it comes out of nowhere and it's kind of feels the same way. Um, as like when Kyle Washington would throw up his post hook, like, and it's just that sky hook would come from nowhere and you'd have, you'd, you'd be getting back down and all of a sudden he'd just chuck a shot up and it would make it every time. 
John Newman feels a lot like that, except, you know, he's got, he's got a bit more of a, um, a bit pretty more shot. of a routine and pretty, yeah, more, more fluid shot, I would say. Um, and it doesn't feel as chaotic, but regardless, like he impresses me a lot. Um, and definitely is doing a lot more than I expected when he first came into the team. Um, so I really like what I see from him. I want to see him, you know, obviously he's involved. He's a starter. He's getting um, pretty much just as much or just as many minutes as um, anybody else is that's going to be in the starting five. But regardless, that guy can ball. I just, I don't, there's nothing else that I can really say about that guy can ball. You put the ball in his hands and he's going to find a way to make a bucket, um, which I really like. Um, but I just don't think he's also been getting as much. Um, he he doesn't he doesn't he's not a volume shooter. Um, he you know I and that's that's the thing I think where like with Davenport and with the Julius um, and I would say even Mikey too. Um, they tend to shoot a little bit more in volume um, that it, it makes more sense. But uh, or when they when they score more. But Newman I really like. Um, and then aside from that. The only other thing is I feel like we just didn't really uh, chase boards, and I feel like that's kind of been our problem the whole season uh, more than anything else. The three-point shooting, you know, is here or there. Free throws here or there. But boards just are kind of surprising. Um, There's a specific stat that I wanted to go into really quick. Um, We are 59th, at least before this game. We're 59th in rebounding in the country going into that game, and it does not feel like it. You look oh. at the stat, anybody else, they're like, oh, well, you know, hmm, 59. That's, that's kind of some of our early games, too, probably. Yeah. It's a generous number because it just feels like, you know, maybe we're all taking, maybe I'm taking too much, um, uh, too much, too many points out of that uh, with the Xavier game, but I just find it odd that we're so high up in that ranking where everything else seems to be very much middle of the pack because it just doesn't feel like we're rebounding and it doesn't feel like we're chasing rebounds, which you don't have to do. Um, but a lot of times it feels like we're just throwing the ball up. If it, if it lands great and if it misses the other team's getting it. And if it's on the other end of the floor, a lot of times we get chased out for offensive rebounds and it's, I I don't know why. I really don't know why. I don't know if it's a positioning thing. I don't think it's a matchup or height thing because I think in a game even like this with Ashland, um, we should have bodied a lot of those guys. But again, we sometimes we just get we're we're not we're not uh, dominant on the glass like I think we've been used to um, for some of the past years. So I was curious what your thoughts were on that too. Like, do you feel that that's off? Do you feel that that's right? Like where we are? Do you think it makes sense or? Uh, what do you think? Gotta be something that? to do with just like how we like just get uh, rebounds when the other team is getting back on defense. But, um, mm-hmm. and that was probably more earlier in the year when uh, the first five games of the year, I'm sure teams are just filling themselves out and then trying to figure out how to attack other teams and not really just they're, they're more focused on themselves than, than the teams they're playing, you know, because usually, like for us, our first four games of the year were against like, you know, uh, under 150 Ken Palm teams. So right. we just got a chance to develop and use our strengths and get better. Um, like, I think just we saw during the Arkansas game, they would take threes, and then the ones they didn't hit, 
they were getting ready for the rebound and like they were obviously Arkansas probably had a couple more better athletes than us. They were rebounding us. Xavier definitely had better athletes than us, uh, which pains me to say, but uh, <laughs> they were, they were out rebounding us too. And I think that's just the, one of the things that uh, Mick is a little bit different in this. And I, Justin, I'm not really a basketball insider. I played, but I, it would be bad of me to say that I'm an expert because I am far from it. But from a fan perspective, it seems like Nick would let other teams shoot the three, which infuriated us. But that left more guys down in the paint in order to get absolutely those rebounds. And mm-hmm. when while we're guarding the perimeter, well, I don't think we have a dominant big man who can just muscle guys out of the way to get a rebound right now on the roster. Yep. But he's been good. Ado's been okay. Uh, Victor and uh, Koval, I wouldn't really say that's their game to body guys and get get boards. And uh, I I think that's something that we're gonna have to figure out with Wes. What if we're gonna play this style? And one of my buddies is a Xavier fan, and uh, he's like one of those those worst guys. Like he's a Xavier basketball and Ohio State football fan. Yep. So <laughs> one, one of the worst. But we all know one. Yeah, but he worked for Chatterbox Sports, and uh, he so he films our guy uh, Sage Tolentino, a uh, class of twenty twenty two, committed oh, yeah. to UC, and uh, he films a lot of his games for Hamilton. And he says that like he's very like he's tall, but he still gets bodied out by guys for rebounds. And obviously, once Sage gets into the monster factory with Mike Rayfeld, he'll right. get beefed up and he'll have a chance. But uh, I just I'm just interested to see how. He gets developed by a guy like Kyle Washington, who I could see kind of be being like a big man coach in the future because he was a pretty dominant yeah. big man during his college career. Mm-hmm. And I could, I would just want to see how we develop those guys because if we are going to run guys off the perimeter, which I think you have to do in today's game, you have to defend mm-hmm. the three really well. You're just going to have to have one or two guys who can really just rebound, really box out some good opportunities clear some space and then that's how we get in transition so uh, but to wrap it up like i think it's just the deficiencies of a year one roster with west miller and yeah. it'll it'll only get better still winning games despite that and uh, in, in the notes here you're talking about scoring margin and we can yeah. bring that up real quick uh, i see if it, this was like year three year four or like if it was like like in mixed tenure, when we moved to the, when we got pushed down to the American and we weren't winning games by enough, that was a big sticking point with a lot of people that we weren't winning games by enough. And right. well, I, I would be definitely more upset with that if there was, this is like year three or year four to year one for Wes. And uh, now net does take into account a lot about scoring margin. And once we're trying to become a top six seed in the tournament, we're going to have to start worrying about that scoring margin. But for now, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Uh, what about you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much there with you. I would agree that like it is still early um, and we're going to be working out the kinks. And especially because there's just you're you're sort of forcing a chemistry of a squad really early. Um, that, you know, a lot of these guys haven't played together, um, you know, for more than a year, uh, much less for some of them more than, you know, 10, 12 games. So the way I look at it, like, it's not a big deal, but I definitely think that it's something that we um, need to start turning up a bit. 
when it comes to um, what's left of like our quad four, quad three games. I think we need to be winning those uh, for sure. Our quad ones and quad twos, I think, you know, and, and that's this isn't even talking about opponent. This is just talking about a quadrant win or quadrant loss. I think quad one, quad two, um, quad one specifically, I think we're expecting to uh, be very difficult, probably not come out on top of. Quad two is going to be a toss up. Um, and quad three and four, though, that's where I think I think that we should be better than every quad four and every quad three team. Quad three teams should be winning the game. Quad four teams got to be winning by 20. Like, and I think it's just a, it's a, not a points or points, a win's a win. Yes, I agree. But um, 20 points in that kind of margin shows some amount of consistency between the gaps in um, strength of opponents. And I think that if you're, I, th- I think what ha- what's happening right now is we're playing to our opponent and we're not necessarily, um, you know, we're still figuring out, like I've said before, that identity of this team. And I think that we're just trying to figure out exactly where we fit in. Um, but regardless, I think we've saw kind of with um, Ashland in the beginning, like we're not a first half team and we've seen it with every other game. We're not a first half team except for Illinois. Um, we're a second half team and we, that's when we start to close out. But even so in this Ashland game, um, we built like a pretty sizable lead and then it got pulled back towards the end again, which is like something that I wouldn't be worried about, but I think it came within like 10 points or so. Um, once you hit that point of like a 20 point gap, you need to roll. Of course, teams go on runs. You might trade five, 10 points, whatever. But ultimately, you still need to be winning by these wider margins because I think it just proves that consistency week in and week out against these higher level opponents or lower level opponents. So that's where I stand. I don't think it's I don't think that it's a big deal, but I think it's definitely something that we need to see um, improve. I, I, it's not something I'm going to lose sleep over, at least. Um, and we did take a poll for that, and around 52, 53 percent of the people voting on that um, said yes that we are winning by enough. Um, but of course, you're always going to have the naysayers too that are just like, we need to be blowing these teams out by 50. That's a little unrealistic. We can't do that week in, week out. You sound like the college football playoff committee in weeks yeah. <laughs> uh, six through 10. Do style points matter for the basketball team now? That's the real topic. <laughs> we'll ask um, the selection committee in March. Yes, of course. Well, speaking of style points, should we be expecting style points against tonight's opponent? which is Tennessee Tech, which also happens to feature our old friend Mamadou. Um, For those of you who have been Bearcat fans for a while, again, really the only people that listen to this podcast would probably know Mamadou's uh, chant by heart, but you got to love seeing him back in fifth third, even if it's for a different team. Justin, uh, can we do the chant real quick? I'll count us down. Yes. Three, two, one. God, I somebody's so like bass in their car. Or something just cracked. <laughs> Good. If you send us a, a cracked bass, <laughs> that means you're listening to the show on the correct level. So yes, send correct. us that that picture. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I don't really have any insight on Tennessee Tech uh, other than I, I just I love Mamadou and I, I I'm glad I'm happy for him that he's found a new home. Uh, do you know any of his stats this year, Justin? I I didn't look yeah. that up. Um, he actually is looking pretty solid so far. Um, Tennessee Tech as a whole has not been looking too great. They're three and nine on the season, 
But Mamadou has 8.8 points a game, 5 rebounds a game, and 1.3 assists per game on 46% shooting. So, not too shabby for Mamadou. 8% three-point shooter, Mamadou Diara. <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> man, I, like that was so much fun with him in 2019. And then, like, he, it seemed like through his career, you see he was the most fun player on the team, and he was always willing mm-hmm. to be... The, like the the guy that took the edge off and um it was it was interesting to to see him last year because obviously we didn't get a chance but he was still like cooking and stuff uh, right. during the pandemic and I, I think he was also always just like the most vocal guy on social media too about his support yeah. for the team mm-hmm. and, uh even though he's at tennessee tech his profile pictures are still him in uc gear and uh, he still has uc in his bio so i yeah. think it was just a thing where he wanted to move on and try a new uh, avenue, but he'll still be a Bearcat for life. And um, I, I think he's definitely one of the meme lords of UC basketball oh, yeah. history. Like, <laughs> not Quadri more. He's good. Uh, yeah. But he, he, he was like, I don't know. It's just still fun to watch him and see how excited the arena got for him. And he definitely played with a lot of energy. He played with a lot of passion he was definitely like one of those guys where you were proud to see him put on the uniform and like put in a shift every night that the Bearcats played. So I'm just happy to see him. He'll get a nice warm reception tonight. And uh, man, we should like, nobody should wear the 20 Jersey for at least two years. Give it, give it some time. Yeah. I, I gotta say like, I really loved seeing do on the court and I was definitely one of his bigger fans because like you said, he just brought the energy and it's not like he was, um, you know, it's not like he was one of the last like two or three minute guys where you throw him in just for fun, like a walk on, um, you know, just to get him some time on the court. He's the kind of guy like he would really shift the momentum in a game. And especially when he was hitting his threes the way that he was, um, it, I mean, the, the, the house would burn down when he was in on the court, um, and when he was playing. So I really and love that, that energy. Yeah, I know, from, dude. That was different. Was, that was different. And place was losing their minds. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Uh, I mean, I, I remember how deafening Fifth Third was. Just like on. I mean, for a lot of those games, I wasn't able to be there because I was off campus. But um, for some of those games too, that I was able to watch at least. Um, he's a he was a game changer. I think. And you know, everybody's a little bit of a role player. Um, he definitely played his role well. He was able to rebound, block, and score when you absolutely needed it so he was good hopefully he's recovered from his um bite from uh Giroux of houston um it'll suck that we won't have <laughs> it'll it sucks that we aren't gonna have any um immediate protection from houston should the cougars decide to bite again but um because i think he could take them i don't think he'd be having that shit this time i think he'd probably no. uh throw some punches but you know Houston will be Houston. Uh, yes, definitely. But uh, Justin, we—I think meme lords might be not the best title for it. But I want to come up with like some sort of all all time, or I, I mean, I guess for us, frame of reference is probably the last decade. So, like, yeah, last uh, like you know, meme team of the past ten years of UC basketball. Like, I think we could come up with definitely like uh, Mamadou. I think Quadri might be on there, not for the best reasons, but Kyle Washington more, has to be on it. I, yeah. I say that only because the stank face, like that is just all over the internet every time. 
I mean, like before NIL, the university made uh, Justin Jackson uh, shirts <laughs> with his mean mug yeah. on it too. Yeah. So maybe he can play lower power forward and Kyle can play center. Uh, Mamadou small forward. And I don't know. I guess we'd have to come up with a good guard uh, meme guy, but I don't know. Well, if listeners, if you have any good meme people, let us know, uh, hit us up in the comments, but uh, I will be, I will silently cheer whenever Mamadou hits a three against us tonight. Yes, same. I it's you you can't cheer out loud because it's still an opponent, but regardless, uh I might I might have to pull a clip for him or something. I don't know. Um speaking of but, us silently cheering and then uh turning into loud cheers, Justin. Yes. The Sorry, UA uh, drone show. Is yeah. this what you're going to? Did I catch that right? Yeah, no, no, no. I, oh. I, I thought I was. I thought I might have cut you off, but I don't oh know. no, you're good. <laughs> Is that what your transition was? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to uh, see what you thought about uh, about all of this unarmor love. Yeah, um, I think Under Armour is a bunch of pansies. I think they're a bunch of pocket protecting pansies um, who clearly have no respect for the Bearcats. And clearly have no respect for the product that um, they are sponsoring out on the field and on the courts. Um, I'm a little peeved, to be honest. Like, this is something that shouldn't matter um, at all. But I just think that it's like, I think if you're a massive company like this, it's very publicized when they drop their deal. I believe they dropped their deal with UCLA, too, um, when that happened. When uh, they started cutting losses because of, you know, COVID, whatever. Sure. Companies are going to get hit in their pocket when something like that, like a massive global pandemic happens. But regardless, they, they, they decided to cut their deal early. For those of you who weren't really familiar, because it seemed that there were still a few people that actually didn't know that that, was, that happened, um, especially because we're still rolling out Under Armour product um, all the time, um, even in the past year, and we're still wearing Under Armour on the field and on the court. Um, but regardless, they ended their deal early. Um, which I just see as like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that's the face of Under Armour is Steph Curry and their college football teams. Like those, that's the face of their product when I look at it. And I just find it a very bold move to now come back after they're like, we're done with it. You can go find your own deal, something like this and that. Actually, we're going to throw 150 drones out onto your field, make them dance, do a cool light show, but we're still not going to like commit our money to you. We're just going to the money that we didn't spend on making more cool apparel and uh, cooler things for whatever this or that. We're going to spend on drones for a one-time 15-minute thing for people to watch for a throwaway basketball game in the middle of December. I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit. I hate this. Tell <laughs> Jay. I just... UA needs to just take their L. They lost out on the product of the century for them because what they were getting... Like, the bang for the buck of what UA was getting for Cincinnati. Like people don't ex weren't expecting, especially when UA signed that deal, they weren't expecting Cincinnati in 2015 with Tommy Tuberville to be a college football playoff contending team. And now we are, and now they're just, they're going to, they, they try not like do their little hype shoot with sauce and them. Okay. Whatever it, it bewilders me 
it bewilders me that they're so so blind to how clear this suck up is like just let it go like let us go find another deal i don't care what it just let it go but like to just come in right at the end of the season after everything's done they've been dead silent all season and now they're gonna say well let's do something cool like fuck off yeah get all the way off of our dicks with that dude yeah. like what is all of that like i can't be- i saw like the uh in our group chat the other day someone had posted that under armor football had posted something about uc i was like what yeah. like don't get me yeah. wrong before when i was when i was 10 in 2006 i loved under armor i thought it was the coolest thing ever and and we all then they became the uniform supplier for for elder in my high school and mm-hmm. I thought they were even cooler after that. Like we were like yeah. one of the first high schools to wear Under Armour. Like it was a cool thing. But then uh, the I don't know if you've looked at their uh, recent news over the past five years, Justin. But they're supposed to have the Under Armour. Uh, Under Armour is supposed to have the MLB uniform deal. Uh, they had to drop that because they couldn't make jerseys. Uh, they couldn't yep. make them uh, and get them out in time. Um, they dropped UCLA. They dropped us. Uh, and like their biggest names right now are Notre Dame, Tom Brady, and Steph Curry. And Steph Curry's shoes have just been terrible, just awful, plain awful. Justin, like I'm not even a shoe guy, but I can still look at those shoes that they used to put out for him, and I could just tell you they're plain awful because I would have to watch our players wear them, and they're still just awful. And it's not even that like Under Armour isn't even providing our stuff anymore. Like the Under Armour company based in Baltimore, Maryland is not making our stuff anymore. It's yeah. like a local retailer that can't, like contracts with Under Armour. It's just putting their logo on it. Like I think the petty thing should have been what UCLA did last year was on their basketball and football uniforms. And I think other sports too, they put their, uh, I, so I don't, I'm sure you noticed Justin, but for anyone who didn't notice, there's a lot of teams last year who were putting uh different equality or just uh justice yeah. patches or you know different rallying patches on their uniforms last year ucla uh, in a kind of funny move they covered up their under armor logos with yep. those patches which is just like very petty and also like i'm here armor couldn't kind of come at them and say and because ucla would have been like what you don't like social justice under armor you don't like yeah quality <laughs> like they really tied him in a box with with that maneuver but well um, and apparently they don't like ucla enough to keep them as their spot likes as a sponsored product so they have no say anyways it's already yeah. paid for and i was thinking about this too last week when the the cats 70s throwback uniforms came out like those must have yeah. been worked on pre-pandemic right because there was yeah. no there's no chance uc worked with under armor to create a throwback jersey you know like no chance uh, there, and I there's just, no chance with the way last year was that they rolled that out either. They're not going to roll that out with a sold without a sold out crowd. Uh, for sure, for sure. And like they must have just had those in the bag, and like they saw yeah. our tweets and were all right. We're, we finally <laughs> got these. We're ready to go. Because they the saw rollout, at UC uniforms tweeting out about <laughs> throwbacks. Well, the rollout too was cool. Like because they already had the shirts in the stores. Like oh less than a week after that announcement in the bookstore, they had the shirts out. So that was cool. Um, I think Justin, you said it all for me. Uh, (laughs) They, they suck. They, they, they low down, they dirty, they some snitches. uh, (laughs) And I don't, 
I don't like that behavior, you know, like, yeah, I'm fine with front runner fans, but front runner apparel companies. No, sir. I, I can't go for that. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the thing too, is like everybody knows like, or sees something on Twitter or wherever where it's like, ah, silent all year about this or that. And then next thing you know, bam, somebody drops like this UC shirt or somebody drops this whatever shirt that has to do with everything. Because they're just trying to capitalize. They're just trying to capitalize on product or capitalize on people's interest, which like, yeah, it happens all the time. And it's it's just the way the world works. We're in a capitalistic market. That's America, baby. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem when it's this mega company that said, screw off. We need to protect our pocket. But now you've done really good since you've left. So please, please, please take us back with a boom box over their head outside our windows. No, thank you, sir. Take that back to Baltimore. I don't want it. Give us Jordan. Give us Nike. Give us anything other than Under Armour. I'm over them. Like I, I like what they've done. I think they've given us a very, uh, given us a simple style that's still like uh, has a feeling of like classic. But also, there's nothing flashy about it. There's nothing super exciting about it. Under Armour's just been a jersey sponsor over the past few years, and now I just it soured me. That the the drone show sours me. It's not a big deal, but to me, it sours me on Under Armour. I just don't like it now. I just don't oh. want to see it. I'm there's that, and then I just don't. like uh, they. Justin, I heard one word you repeated, and it can be shortened into three letters, which says cap. Yeah, <laughs> Under Armour is suspect, and uh, oh, for sure, sus. They're they're cap. They're the cap. So, um. <laughs> We want to hit these last two topics and then yeah, for uh, sure. get on out of here. Yeah, well, so speaking of um, uniforms, uh, we had a few things this week. Kind of just interesting, you know, I think this is going to be a huge thing for us too, uh, especially once basketball offseason hits because that's when time's a flying because we don't know, ha- we don't have any games to cover, so we got to cover something. It's going to be unis because that's just our go-to. But um, we, I, I was curious um, about future uniform sponsors because um, there aren't a whole lot of them out there when it comes to uh, at least big money deals. Um, it really is would only come down to Adidas, Under Armour, Nike, or Jordan, and Nike and Jordan are separate but still a similar same entity too. Um, so I was curious uh, what people thought because I think we all kind of knew that like everyone wants Jordan. It's a big thing just because of basketball in the 90s. Um, but I asked the question regardless. And what people said when I asked um, what you would want the future jersey sponsor to be, um, let me make sure I find this because I had it pulled up and then it went away. Uh, where did it go? Where did it go? There we go. Um, if we were to sign a new brand deal today, who would you want it to be? 54% said Jordan, 32% said Nike, 7% still stuck with Under Armour. And 5% went with Adidas. And I really want to know who said Adidas. I mean, I, th- I think at this point, like, I'm over Adidas just because of, like, all the crazy shit that they try to pull. But at least they try to do cool stuff. Like, they changed things up. They added new patterns. Sure, it may have been, like, a team template pattern that they threw across whatever. But I look at a school like Louisville that had, that, you know, went through all of the different phases of Adidas through the years. Um, 
and I like there was definitely some misses, but there were also some hits that were pretty cool. So like, I wouldn't be totally objected to Adidas if we had to sign a brand new deal. Um, because like I said, I'm over Under Armour. I'm just, I'm done with it. I, I'm done with it. The drone show doesn't put the nail in the coffin. There's been plenty of other things, but that puts the nail in the coffin. I'm done with UA, but I think ultimately more than anything, I'd want to see Jordan. And I think pretty much everybody else is on the same boat. Um, and I think too, like it would kind of come as a tandem deal where if it was to be like football, we'd probably do, I would think we'd probably do Nike and then do, uh, Jordan for basketball. And we wouldn't be a full Jordan school because I think right now Michigan and UNC are the only two schools in the country that are full Jordan for both. Correct. Um. Yes, I believe so. Uh, I think Florida and Oklahoma are too. Um, oh yeah. And did you say UNC? Flo- Oklahoma for sure. Yeah, UNC. I said UNC, Michigan, and then Oklahoma. Is UCLA and then... fully Jordan? That is a good question. I would have to look into that Might not more be for, for football, but that's because I would think Nike. Yeah, I know. And that's well, that's was kind of was my thought, too, with Houston being that way, especially with somebody that we'd be moving with probably line up a very similar deal to that, too. But yeah, regardless, um, what would you, I mean? I think I know your answer here, too, but I'm curious. I just want to know what you have to say. Well, I mean, you know, it's going to be Jordan, but I yeah. think just overall, like I think they had the best concepts and ideas for UC uh, uniforms over the past 25 years. I think they were like pretty creative with it. Like looking back in it, I, I like the red numbers a lot more than just like the black numbers that we've been wearing yeah. for the past 15, 20 years. And uh, I think they just like, it was just cool, you know, and all those right. former players talk about how cool it was to be able to wear Jordans and get new Jordans. And just on a recruiting aspect too, like, getting to say hey you get to wear jordans or you get a fresh pair of jordans like every game right. to wear like that still matters to kids you know and, and like sure. it's weird to say that a shoe matters to kids but shoes like in basketball and like definitely football for sure but shoes in basketball definitely matter and like you know players and like people our ages and younger like they're still pretty obsessed with jordans and like they're yeah. i think that's a real thing so I think like just from a recruiting aspect, you got to and just like hype and cool factor. I think it's got to be them. Um, right. I am. I don't think John Cunningham has led us astray yet. I and I believe him. I, I believe that he can get us a something good. But I, I think he he understands the assignment. Hopefully, when uh, everybody talks to him and tells him like, "Hey, we would like to go back to this." So. Right. Um, obviously, he'll go back and get a, get the best deal for us. But I have a good feeling that they would like come back. Like they would like to do that too, just because. Uh, well, they're kind of our only option because Adidas said no. Uh, like ended our contract, and then Under Armour ended our contract too. So, I think, yeah. I think just from a, a a fan standpoint too, that that would get a lot more people buying gear if it was. Jordan again, and they were able to wear those throwback uniforms again. Do you know how many people would buy those now? Like those yeah. throwback, like block uniforms. Like that would be a really hot seller. Uh, what's interesting is like this one guy I follow uh, is, uh, at PC Bearcat. Uh, he said he hadn't bought anything uh, from the Under Armour era at UC because he just didn't like any of it, which is like very interesting to me. And I, yeah. I, I would wonder if like our sales looked better uh, during the Jordan era than they did at any time in the 
Under Armour or uh, Adidas eras. So right. Well, yeah. One thing um, that like I mean I think ultimately it's when you put numbers next to numbers. Um, you know, if you're comparing just basketball versus across the entire university, I think Jordan probably would have performed better, but I think Under Armour would have performed much better considering where football has come since the signing of the deal. Um, because just sheer numbers and think about like how much, you know, how they, um, how many more players you'd be kidding out, how many more fans would then be kitted out because of that. Um, so on and so forth. But I have to say too, one thing that I, I, this is probably more of an, uh, off season pod idea. Um, but I'm just going to say it very plainly. Um, we, we haven't had a good benchmark yet for, um, Cunningham. I don't think we've had anything crazy other than Wes Miller. Um, but I think that would be a huge thing because obviously Wes Miller, it's, it's a huge signing, but at the same time, it's going to take time to really see the full result of that. Um, whereas if you sign some and, and see the impact, because if you sign something like a brand deal, that's bam, money right in your face, bam, like new product. Like there's no like, oh, we'll see how it performs. Like it's, you know, it's going to sell or you know that it won't. Um, and I would be really curious too, because my biggest thing that I've been, um, I want to talk about off season more is how Cunningham has fared so far at UC, because I don't think we've really talked about it. And I feel like he's kind of operated in the shadows a bit. Um, yeah, he's definitely a but, certified gangster. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> he's moving silence, you know, but I was, I, I want to ask like in a 15, 20 second response, where do you think, like, how do you think Cunningham has performed so far just at UC, like as quick as you can. Three things, uh, extended Luke fickle, fired John Brannon, started the indoor practice facility. Uh, I think those three things, and uh, the Big 12 kind of fell in his lap, but he completed the completed the deal, so yeah. that can't go unnoticed, too. Um, I, I'd say he's done, like, everything you could probably ask for, and uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be as loud as everybody else, but I like it. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's great. I mean, and that's the thing, too. You, you did mention, that's one thing that I completely forgot about um, but I actually did talk about, funnily enough, this weekend was the uh, practice facility. I'm excited to see. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't believe we've broken ground on that yet, have we? No, it won't get broken until 2023, and then like okay, it won't yeah, be done be until 24 or 25. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's a at least a start, right? Okay, well, cool. I didn't want to go into that too much because I think that, especially given more time, we'll have more to talk about with Cunningham specifically and look at his full resume at UC and see all the things that we like, don't like, and sort of measure it up. But I wanted to ask it before I forgot. Um, one other thing on unis before we wrap this up with Big 12 um, is uh, Steve had uh, put out a very, like, just kind of vague question on Twitter about what's on the side of the... Um, Red shorts, like what is it? Because if you look at the basketball uh, shorts, um, you'll have to look on your own if you're listening to the pod, but um, it's just kind of like this black shot, shock, whatever, something up the side. Um, and the UC logo is slapped right in there with the claw. Um, and so we're just kind of wondering what exactly is that? Um, because that's kind of pertains again to UA, like. I don't know. Like I, I hate using f- fucking Xavier as a reference here, but I think Xavier's uniforms have been really clean. 
Um, and one thing about like their shorts that I love, like just as a designer and as a fan, is that they have the swords crossed on there. It's because it's an X. It's also, um, you know, it's also the swords, which are part of their insignias with the musketeers. Like it makes sense and it's cool and it and it's not too much. But again, like UA just kind of has this mystery of like, all right, well, we'll pull the little triangles from um, the trophy hall. But there's nothing else about Cincinnati that has any sort of significance or um, rec like rep. Uh, what's the word? I'm like, replicability. Uh, there's there's no anything that really signifies. Let's throw that on a uni and see if it sticks. And like I hate that because there's so many other schools that do that so well, and we just in the Under Armour era, uh, Under Armour era have not done that. Um, so I, I don't know, like, I want to know what the hell that thing is. That's why I asked this question too, in a poll. Um, but would you agree with that? Because I feel like, I feel like Cincinnati's just history as a team and as a school and as a city is just so unexplored when it comes to our uniforms. Oh yeah. And I agree. And like, that was just, I mean, they made an attempt and I can't knock them for that on the Cincinnati stripe. I think a lot of people yeah. don't like it. Um, but I, I, I mean, the, the the other thing too that like we just talked about we all love from those 90s uniforms like if it was any other team and it was like any other era where like they weren't that good those uniforms would just seem very templatey and very plain and simple right it it wasn't really about the the jerseys it was about like how good our team was back then and how right. good like how how high of a level we were playing and but it, it's just four blocks on each side of the jersey and pants like it's really nothing special and the bear and the right. seatball on the butt which i'm yeah. a personal <laughs> fan of um but i, I think it's that's interesting yeah like I, I think it's very <laughs> yeah exactly i think it's very interesting though to think about there's not really as much history and we don't have like a, a we, we haven't had like a a regular ball jersey or we don't have like a our own like striping or you know like ohio state they like they can go uh jump in a air hole for all i care but um they they have like an identity they have that stupid stripe with the with the helmet they have the silver bullets for like their defense they call themselves the 11 warriors like got the buck like all that stuff i i hate but i understand Xavier, I think is is fair too, and that's a recent identity change. But yeah. I think I think it's a good identity for them. It works. People seem to at least like it or are fine with it. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that like a a historical uniform, and maybe our our just we're not supposed to be crazy like super you know, historical. Maybe we're that's kind of like what the program. It, brand i know clean cut and, like because 2000s and or the mm -hmm. late 90s you know so i i i think i mean like we were we were good for sure but we weren't winning like bowl games in the 50s 60s 70s right but i think uh it's it's interesting to think about that and i would love to like delve into that more on an off-season topic but um can you read off the poll results for me real quick because yeah that uh, my take on the ua shorts really quick 
they just seem like a template. They just seem like a yeah. paint template that you just click on your paint your your paint gallon can on uh <laughs> on my on uh, Photoshop and then just like click on that black. Oh yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah, it's like uh it's basically like going into a 2K uniform builder. <laughs> like honestly. Yep, exactly. Regardless. Um so I asked what the black shape is. So what is that black shape on the side of the shorts? A very ambiguous reference to either the Queen City, as in like a crown of some sort, um, a Bearcat Paul, which was a real stretch that I thought of at last second that you never know, whatever. Um, hey, that looks sporty because, I mean, really, there's no identifiable mark to it. Or what I thought is the most interesting one, because I didn't think about it until I was sitting in the arena and I was looking at the noise meter, but the noise meter is a very significant, um, like small part, but uh, lasting part of fifth, third, and specifically the basketball team. Um, and it does kind of have like the sort of levels to a degree, um, which I think is, you know, again, maybe just, of course, happenstance coincidence because we have no idea what the fuck it is. Okay, folks, sorry for that. There's a little bit of a technical difficulty. Our uh, favorite bot who records all of our uh, podcasts decided to dip out of the <laughs> call, but. Um, regardless, the results of that poll were um, 50% in favor of, we have no idea what that is. It just looks sporty. It's a template. Um, 21% or 22% for the Queen City as a reference on uh, the crown. Uh, about 19% for the noise meter and about 10% for a Bearcat Paul. Um, so again... We still don't know what it is, and I don't think that any of those probably answers it because at the end of the day, I think we all know it's probably just a template. Um, I think it's a template. I would agree, and I, I just, I don't know. I don't like templates. I like creativity, so yeah. there's my two cents. I agree. <laughs> well, cool. Um, that pretty much wraps up that. Um, maybe at some point in the future, Steve and I will throw down some absolutely sick mock-ups that actually have something to do with the history of our university. I don't know what we're on today, but we're on some kind of tear. Screw UA. A very cool Under Armour way to agree with the public that drones are definitely not a hazard to our public national security, and they're just that you think they're cool. Good job, Under Armour. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's go to the last topic. Good job, Under Armour, for trying to be cool, young, and trendy, combining football and drones, uh, thinking that they can combine uh, what, what gets the young people going. Next thing you know, there's going to be a fucking TikTok that's, like, recorded from the drones. That's going to... I'm going <laughs> to lose my shit. <laughs> Anyways, uh, last topic of the day. Big 12 um, transition with basketball. Our friend Danny V brought up um, a very interesting tweet today. Um... I guess maybe that was yesterday. Was it? It was yesterday. Um, saying, I know we're all aware the Big 12 is a huge upgrade from the AAC, but these basketball conference slates side by side just show how insanely different it will be. One is UC season and the other is Kansas State's, which on the left, if you look at it, shows a very uh, red light, green light kind of deal on the side where you're seeing the quad one to quad four to quad three and then back to quad one and then back to quad four and just all over the place. Um, being our conference slate, and then stacked up, step, ugh, stacked up against Kansas State, um, which has no quad threes and no quad fours, and is almost 
But all but one, two, three, four games um, of the rest of their conference slate are quad one games, which is just insane. Um, and I think, you know, also part of that might be to the advantage of Kansas State being probably the, I would think maybe it's they're the lowest ranked um, team in the Big 12. So it's comes with a little bit of um, juxtaposition here. But regardless, the Big 12 is dominant when it comes to basketball. And our conference slate every season um, it, of coming is going to be a lot different than what we currently have. Um, and it's going to be a massive upgrade, but it's also going to be a lot more challenging. So part of the thing that we want to talk about is just how that's going to work and kind of what we see from that. So I know, Steve, you had some points on that. So I'll let you so run. Let me just run through it real quick. Yeah. Uh, so as... Uh, we made it finally made it back to the NCAA tournament during our time in the Big East. It took us four years, but we got there. Our three years in the Big East uh, before getting sent down to the American, uh, UC went 26 and 9, 26 and 11, 20, 22 and 12. So it shows that you can lose a few games and like still be very much in line for a seed in the, in the tournament. And, uh, the years after that, UC went 27 and 7, 23 and 11, 22 and 11, and still got in the tournament in the in the American, albeit that's probably because of better non-conference scheduling. But um, I I think we're going to have to change our expectations a little bit once we get into yep. the Big 12. And um, on the football side, as long as we can keep things rolling, I I really have a good I have a belief that we can still be eight and four, nine and three. We can be almost be reaching double digit win seasons albeit it's going to be tough probably the first couple of years but as long as fickle's here i have the utmost confidence that he's going to be able to get us competing for big 12 championships day one but um i think we have to change our mindset from like wanting 27 wins in a season in this conference to wanting like 22 in the new big 12 and which would get us into the center of the dance and obviously we Right, we want to be higher, but with with programs like Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma State, who's on a on probation this year, but has been good recently. Houston, mm-hmm. who's coming with us. BYU, who's always been solid. Like K State, who's had some good years recently. Iowa State, Iowa State, Texas Tech, who is now in the who was in the Final Four a couple years ago. National we, championship Virginia, game. Yeah, sorry, uh, West Virginia, West Virginia, like Huggy Bear. Yeah. That league is going to be, and then UCF, who's probably like not one of the greatest basketball teams ever, but that league is going to be stacked and packed with basketball teams, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be like Big East days. Like that was one of the comments yeah. under that on that tweet. It's going to be Big East days. So, uh, would you agree that expectations need to change a little bit? Absolutely. Um, it's one of those things where we're going to go in with a head full of steam. And personally, um, this is just based off of what we have so far. And just looking at things now, we're going to get humbled. If we go in um, with a bit more development with the few years that we have, you know, the two seasons, um, or I guess really probably one season to get things in shape after this year, um, it's going to be one of those things where we've really got to make sure that we have um, all our loose ends tightened up because it's going to be difficult. It is not going to be easy going into the Big 12, going into every single game where there are no cupcakes on the year 
There are no easy bye week kind of games. Every single game is going to be a sold out environment that the other team is going to pack the house or we're going to have to pack the house if we want to bring the heat. Like you have to play consistently week in and week out. Um, so I think we're going to struggle a bit personally. Um, and I think it's it. There might be it might be the first season. It might be the second season. It might be the first two or three. Maybe um, that might be a bit hard to watch. <laughs> but at the same time, we could hit our stride, um, and we could we could go in rolling. It just depends on what we're going to get out of the rest of this year and what next year is going to look like with new recruits, um, with the team starting to form. Um, and, and on top of that, I think it's going to take one or two seasons. Um, in actually in the Big 12, not with the anticipation, um, which I think is a big thing that we're having now, especially with football. Um, looking at the Big 12 and looking at recruiting, recruits are seeing that Cincinnati will be in by the time that they're there. But a lot of recruits, too, who know that they could start or should be starting when they go in as a freshman or as a sophomore, they want to play those big opponents now. And I think once we're in the Big 12, that'll be a little bit easier because we're not going to have to worry about that. But right now we might not get those recruits to flip. Um, so I think once we get those bigger recruits to get them into the system, Wes gets them going. I think we should be fine, but it's going to be a bit. I agree. You want to close this out, Justin? Yeah, for sure. So um, pretty much <laughs> if you've learned anything from this pod uh, this week, it's that UA sucks and there's some, um, there, there's some, they're they're like a toxic ex who has FOMO, who just really wants to be there for the big moments and wants to be there for the fun, but not the hard parts. And there wasn't even any hard parts when they left. It was all easy. They just had to stick around, but they didn't. Um, the Big Twelve. It's going to be interesting when we go into that and see how the team formulates, and hopefully. Um, with the future, whatever our next big uni signing deal is, we get some amount of uh, historical consequence in our um, in our uniforms, and maybe we have some representation there. But hopefully, you guys enjoy this episode. We went a little bit long, but that's what we like to do when we uh, talk about uniforms because that's where we really get going. So, regardless, this has been a fun episode. And for listening, go Bearcats! Yes, thank you for listening. And we will catch you guys next week. Um, and we'll be that much closer to the college football playoff where we play Alabama. And that will be probably strictly football. So uh, thank you guys again for listening. Take it easy. Have a good one.